Greetings, lovely listeners. You are listening to Saga, a podcast where a dude and a chick discuss art and animation. Who are we? Sarah and Garrison, two nerds discussing what's really important in life, cartoons. You may have also heard us from our previous podcast, The Theory of Creativity, or MSG, otherwise known as Movies with Sarah and Garrison. Why are we doing it? We find the podcast format enjoyable as well as we have some experience within the field, and it gives us the freedom to experiment as well. So why the name Saga? Because Sarah and Garrison, plus in animation, stories are told, hint at Saga. Don't think about it too hard, okay? Hello, and thank you for listening to Saga Podcast, where we talk about animation. So today we are going to be talking about a movie called Tekon Kinkrete. Before we get to that, let's talk about the news. Spoiler alert, this audio may contain spoilers, so please proceed with caution or an open mind. I don't care. All right, so in our first news story, the Annecy French Animation Film Festival from June 10th to June 15th, they'll be having special events. This is actually the largest animation film festival with over 11,000 people attending, which is incredible. That sounds like a dream come true. And some of the events that they had because this is going to be past tense, unfortunately. Yet they'll be having like uh, big box office people talking about um, like Hollywood projects, uh, the making of Steven Universe, as well as the Netflix studio talking about some of their projects. We should definitely invest in this because it sounds spectacular. Right. Can you imagine going to France and going to the French Alps? mind you and just going to go and like watch animated stuff like that's that's crazy that sounds like a fun fun time and i'm kind of jealous i went to the website because i didn't know that this was a thing and i mean you know who knows how much tickets are (laughs) oh yeah probably probably very expensive so this is something that we're gonna have to look like look ahead to if that's what you want to do definitely so in other news we there is a young animator about 25 years old named Gintz Zib- Zibalditz, who this is their first time being showcased at the Annecy Film Festival, but they were also Animafest um, <laughs> to showcase some of their other of, of his other work. I mean, th- this kid is crazy. He's been animating since he was 15 he did his first short film when he was 15 and now he's created this entirely this entire film by himself using cg animation i mean including music so i would definitely check him out we'll have his link posted on the website but this film is 75 minutes long he's been working on it since 2015 this kid is crazy i mean and and it, it looks like a very compelling story, too. So this kid, he knows how to tell a story as well as animate and as well as bring forth the audience into his story. So that's very impressive. Um, 25-year-old. Of course, there's other artists that, that we're going to be showcasing at the Annecy Film Festival. Last news story we have is a study that was released from University of Southern California that suggests that there is still huge gaps 
and gender diversity in the animation industry, leaving women behind when it comes to animated storytelling. <laughs> Although there are increasing jobs available in the industry, as well as like management positions, higher up positions, um, they're, they're still behind compared to a lot of other industries. And there are a lot of companies that are working to fix that. For example, Netflix, which is bringing a lot of diversity to their stories and the animations that they choose to showcase. We will have a link to that too. There's a very compelling article that I think everybody should be able to read. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it for the news. Let's go on to talk about Tech on Concrete. All right. So Tech on Concrete is, it's actually kind of a difficult story to sort of summarize i've i've you know read like the back of the box and i've read like like plot summaries and i actually even listened to the dvd commentary for some insight but it it's like it's kind of layered and 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 complicated but but basically it's about two orphan street kids who who are like trying to protect their their city from the yakuza and, and like these realtors or, or or like you know like business people who are like trying to build this amusement park in their town it's interesting it it's a character it's more of like a character driven story than like plot yeah definitely yeah i mean this this was one of the things i noticed too it's like this is probably the most complex story that we've covered so far in animation yeah huge undertaking that's all yeah and it reminded me of the style of achi and shipak a little bit yeah i could see that it was a great film i don't have any other opinions other than like it was it was a very compelling story and like i i feel like i'm a better critiquer for knowing this film because i probably wouldn't have just watched this film if it wasn't like something that we were striving to do you know like it wouldn't be something that i would just pull up which is kind of sad because that's like a lot of you know that's a lot of what we do is we we try to showcase a lot of those like animations that haven't really been showcased very often or you know highlighted in a lot of manners so i i feel like i'm a better critiquer of animation for knowing this film because it's so compelling and it's such a different point of view i i was very blown away by this film yeah funny thing i remember seeing this uh this movie at my library like years ago, like at at least ten years ago, um, right? Because it was two thousand six. It was released, right? And that the box art, you know, that imagery stuck in my mind. And when we were coming up with like the list of movies um, to like you know watch, uh, I wrote this down, and and I'm glad that we watched it because it, it it's it really influenced me in a lot of ways and uh you know funny enough do you remember when we went to the library that one time and all of the animated movies were like they were considered kids yes <laughs> i'm sure that they would put this in there too which is because they don't know that just because it's a cartoon that it's not a kid's movie <clears throat> i mean it looks like it looks like something as a kid i would be like oh this is so cool but then parents look at the rating and then they probably hear like the first couple of lines in the movie and they're like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's got violence in it. 
It's got um, nudity, you know, cartoon nudity. Yeah, it's got like cigarettes and alcohol. Right, right. Drug abuse, yeah. homelessness. That's something that offends mental, you. <laughs> yeah, mental uh, instability. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a very complex story. And the two characters, which are black and white, they, they are a balance. And that was one thing is like, I think culturally, this movie brings out so much of the Chinese. I think it's a, it's a Chinese film. It's, ja- it's Japanese. Japanese. Well, the yin and the yang for sure. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, in that sense, you know, like the neutrality, the balance um, really comes out in this film. And it's very culturally, wow, eye-opening. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes. Yeah, black and white are essentially two halves of the same whole. They sort of complement and keep and keep each other centered. They are like yin and yang, peace and violence, joy and anger. Yeah, I thought that was interesting uh, because when when one sort of tilted, you know, more towards the dark side, it would influence the other character hmm. and vice versa. And also what you mentioned about the, you know, the Chinese, like you thought it was Chinese, the city was incredibly well realized and yeah. like really lived in. It had like Japanese influences, Indian influences, Singapore. Yeah. Amazing. It was, I mean, it was like a culture shock in some ways. Like it was just so magical and so beautiful. It already, it seemed like a theme park versus like what they were trying to build. Like yeah. like if I visited that city, I, I probably would have been blown away. Definitely. On the special features on the disc, there was this, there was this 300 days of the director, you know, gathering influences, like, like he would walk around town like talking to people and, and like taking pictures and like acquiring sounds and it hmm. it and it was like a really authentic experience and I think that showed a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, by the way, it's an American director who has lived in Japan for 12 years and speaks and speaks fluent Japanese makes sense, you know. That's good. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, because it, it it seems somewhat Americanized, especially with the voice the voice actors that were chosen were so good and they were so specific to the characters and to the like authenticity of what the director was going for. I could definitely see that. That's amazing. So you watched this subbed, right? I did. Yeah. Did uh, you watch it dubbed? I did, and I'm I think I'm glad I did because this is kind of more complicated story and I didn't want to like read have you know bother with reading the text and stuff. Yes, yeah, some of, of of the of the um English voice casts are uh Scott Meneville, who you may know him from uh he voices Robin from Teen Titans. Hmm. And there's mm-hmm. of course Tom Kenny. We all know who Tom Kenny is. Right. My favorite is Phil Lamar. He's he's been in so much and done so much voice acting. Like he he's been around. Yeah, he's done tons of stuff like Samurai Jack, Green Lantern, some like Futura, uh, Futurama, Jamaican, yeah. Death, right? Yeah. And then there's also the Kamali Minter who voiced Shiro, which is white, and um, she 
she also has this like nonprofit that she runs, which is crazy because like I am in a group that is influenced by her on Facebook, which is um, based around her philosophy, like, you know, give what you need to give, get what you need to get as far as like money. It's like reparations and it's based upon the idea of like sort of like a, I don't want to say communistic or socialistic because a lot of people say that like and they get ooh like communism, socialism, blah. Okay, well, the idea is that you... If you need something and I have something that you need, I should be able to give it to you, you know, and a lot of people are are very open to doing that. And so that's something that she put together like years ago. I think it started back in 2016 as like a part of a social experiment. And that's something that she she's been doing. And a lot of people have been influenced by that and started their own kind of like philosophy and theory behind that. Cool. Interesting. And you read the manga too, right? I did. I read like the first third and realized, okay, so I read the first third and then I stopped and I re- and then I watched the DVD commentary of the movie. All right. So I read the first third and realized that this is pretty much exactly, almost exactly the same as the movie. So then I, I watched the DVD commentary and they said that really the the manga is like mostly like 90% the same as as the movie. So so I just didn't worry about it too much. I did sort of check in on like some of the more important beats. It was pretty much the, the same. So yeah. Because um, hmm. I, I when you mentioned that, I went to go check out the manga too. And it is online. So for those of you that want to go see and read the comic manga, it is online for download. The art style is very... Crude? Yeah in the manga yeah yeah it is i don't have much uh, comments about that you remember the ping pong the animation series he also made a manga or the manga came before that that series i was aware of his his stuff from a while ago i think what what he lacks in like refined you know uh sort of more um traditional art he makes up for in his like writing and like characterization but i do have a like a a few questions were there like supernatural elements in this because i have a couple of scenes here when white was floating when he fell off that building like he was floating down and then the minotaur and the aliens yeah what funny funny dialogue It, it makes you feel so out of touch with the reality when you are paying attention to White's character, what is the truth? That's what I think when I'm listening to White talk. It's like, is he is he speaking more truth than than I'm even able to to consciously realize? And that's that's how I feel when I'm listening to White or like watching his actions. Right, because it because it sounds like so dumb, but when you listen to it, it actually makes like stupid sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's you know. It, and that's the kind of the thing that the the writer plays on is like they want you to think that white is mentally challenged or has a disability of some sort or is slow because he doesn't have parents and he lives on the streets but in reality he sees so much more than most of us can understand and i think that's what the role like the grandfather plays bringing to light like you know, the seriousness of what White is saying. Like, it sounds like gibberish, but there's so much peace and truth in what he's saying. Yeah, just don't piss him off because he'll burn you alive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So I do have, have like this interesting theory. Okay. It may not be a like a theme or something because either that they said this in a movie or I like heard a comment about it in one of the special features. The theme is that the city changing you, like y- you can either go unchanged and die or change and become something else. And I have a few examples of that. White and Black left the city after almost succumbing to darkness and death because there came a time when white lost it and black lost it towards the end uh, so they left before they they could before they could change or die suzuki who was the the old yakuza guy that would smoke a lot talking about yeah. the X. yeah he went unchanged and died by the hands of his protege kimura and kimura d he chose to leave too late and was killed. So there's like a theme of, of like the city having an influence on you. It's basically like evolution, like adapt or die. Did you ever in the commentary or in your research find out what the eyes meant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was incredibly vague. They basically said the eyes mean you are being watched or, or oh. well, it was actually less vague than that. The eyes mean the eyes are watching or something like it was even <laughs> I I mean it's kind of like Illuminati-esque because the whole island is in the shape of an eye. It is, yeah. And then we we see those eyes everywhere. Like in the bar, there was like eyes painted on pieces of paper and like plastered up in the walls, which is a really cool scene. One of my favorites probably because of how bizarre it was. That would be a cool room to have. That would be kind of a cool room. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very clock, like clockwork orange-esque in some ways. Like, you know, like when they enter the milk bar, they all, like all eyes are on them in the clockwork orange. And I mean, it's just a, a weird vibe you get when you see that room. The whole idea of eyes was just referenced throughout the entire film. And the explanation had no satisfying answer unfortunately well, maybe i can like maybe maybe i can just shed some light because like when you're in a city yeah definitely some, especially now with all the cameras yeah like sometimes you feel like there's no privacy mm-hmm. you know like you look right out your window and then somebody's also looking back at you looking out their window i'm sure it can be very like invasive in some some manner in some way the there's some in, interesting lore about treasure town and that it's an island you know it's an island the bridges were knocked out so it was harder for people to trans to transport materials to the island so that they could work on it and maintain it so it eventually you know desolate and run down and people forgot about it that's sort of what came of it and it was overcome by the stray cats who were the orphans and, and yakuza that's that's interesting okay i mean that makes sense though too because that's not really explained in the film it's not very well or outright it's a very indirect movie like you sort of have to read in between the lines a lot of the time which is a good storytelling when something makes you ask questions I think that's good storytelling. Show, don't tell. But, you know, that actually reminds me if I had a a complaint is that they probably did too much telling. Like they they told some things when they probably would have been best to show it. I think that, especially for animation, if you can watch a movie without the, the sound and still understand what's going on, then you made like a good story. I feel that they kind of lean too much on dialogue a little bit. 
I, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I suppose it depends on what kind of um, perspective you take on that. Because I, I know I've heard that too. A lot of like big animation studios will say that like if you enter a reel that if you are trying to get hired at a company, you want to have a story that if you turn the sound off, you can understand. And I, yeah, I don't, I just don't think that was the purpose of this film. It was just to tell a story in its own sense, kind of like a passion project, like we've talked about a lot of the passion projects in the past. Oh yeah, this was certainly a passion project. I, I feel satisfied with this film. It was an excellent film. Yeah, I recommend it. it it's definitely something worth experiencing at least once. Oh, also tell about your experience trying to find this film. Oh yeah, it's very challenging. It's unfortunate that this movie was so hard to find. I think more people should watch it because you really don't hear people like talking about it that much. Yeah, I had to go on Amazon and buy the DVD. Luckily, it wasn't that much and it came in great shape. Yeah, but it came from a pawn shop, you said? A thrift store, yeah. They probably just didn't sell that many copies and so it's hard to find. Yeah, but okay, so this uh, was produced by Studio 4C. So you would think that they would have their movies on their website or something. You would think it would be on Hulu or something, but it's like nowhere. You have to yeah. like, get it like black market style. And even that's like hard, hard to, to do. Closing statement for this movie. Go watch it. Dive into the facts. All right. So in our first news story, the Annecy French Animation Film Festival from June 10th to June 15th, they'll be having special events. This is actually the largest animation film festival with over 11,000 people attending, which is incredible. That sounds like a dream come true. And some of the events that they had, because this is going to be past tense, unfortunately, yet they'll be having like uh, big box office people talking about um, like Hollywood projects, uh, the making of Steven Universe, as well as the Netflix studio talking about some of their projects. We should definitely invest in this because it sounds spectacular. Right. Can you imagine going to France and going to the French Alps? mind you and just going to go and like watch animated stuff like that's that's crazy that sounds like a fun fun time and i'm kind of jealous i went to the website because i didn't know that this was a thing and i mean you know who knows how much tickets are oh yeah <laughs> probably probably very expensive so this is something that we're gonna have to look like look ahead to if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. definitely so in other news we there is a young animator about 25 years old named Gintz Zibalditz, who this is their first time being showcased at the Annecy Film Festival, but they were also Animafest um, <laughs> to showcase some of their other of, of his other work. I mean, th- this kid is crazy. He's been animating since he was 15 he did his first short film when he was 15 and now he's created this entirely this entire film by himself using cg animation i mean including music so i would definitely check him out we'll have his link posted on the website but this film is 75 minutes long he's been working on it since 2015 this kid is crazy i mean and and it, it looks like a very compelling story, too. So this kid, he knows how to tell a story as well as animate and as well as bring forth the audience into his story. So that's very impressive. 
um, 25 year old. Of course, there's other artists um, that we're going to be showcasing at the Annecy Film Festival. Last news story we have is a study that was released from University of Southern California that suggests that there is still huge gaps in gender diversity in the animation industry, leaving women behind when it comes to animated storytelling. <laughs> Although there are increasing jobs available in the industry, as well as like management positions, higher up positions, um, they're, they're still behind compared to a lot of other industries. And there are a lot of companies that are working to fix that. For example, Netflix, which is bringing a lot of diversity to their stories and the animations that they choose to showcase. We'll have a link to that too. There's a very compelling article that I think everybody should be able to read. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it for the news. Let's go on to talk about TechCon Kinky Greet. All right, so Tech on Concrete is, it's actually kind of a difficult story to sort of summarize. I've, I've, you know, read like the back of the box and I've read like, like plot summaries and I actually even listened to the DVD commentary for some insight, but it, it's like, it's kind of layered and, 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 and complicated, but, but basically it's about two orphan street kids who who are like trying to protect their their city from the yakuza and, and like these realtors or, or or like you know like business people who are like trying to build this amusement park in their town it's interesting it it's a character it's more like a character driven story than like plot yeah definitely yeah. I mean, this this was one of the things I noticed, too. It's like, this is the, probably the most complex story that we've covered so far in animation. Yeah, huge undertaking, that's all. Yeah, and it reminded me of the style of Achi and Shipak. A little bit, yeah. I could see that. It, it was a great film. I don't have any other opinions other than, like, it was, it was a very compelling story. And, like, I, I feel like I'm a better critiquer for knowing this film because i probably wouldn't have just watched this film if it wasn't like something that we were striving to do you know like it wouldn't be something that i would just pull up which is kind of sad because that's like a lot of you know that's a lot of what we do is we we try to showcase a lot of those like animations that haven't really been showcased very often or you know highlighted in a lot of manners so i i feel like i'm a better critiquer of animation for knowing this film because it's so compelling and it's such a different point of view i i was very blown away by this film yeah funny thing i remember seeing this uh f- this movie at my library like years ago, like at at least ten years ago, um, right? Because it was two thousand six. It was released, right? And that the box art, you know, that imagery stuck in my mind. And when we were coming up with like a list of movies um, to like you know watch, uh, I wrote this down, and and I'm glad that we watched it because it, it it's it really influenced me in a lot of ways and uh you know funny enough do you remember when we went to the library that one time and all of the animated movies were like they were considered kids yes (laughs) i'm sure that they would put this in there too which is because they don't know that just because it's a cartoon that it's not a kid's movie Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it looks like it looks like something as a kid, I would be like, oh, this is so cool. But then parents look at the rating and then they probably hear like the first couple of lines in the movie and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's got violence in it. It's got um, nudity, you know, cartoon nudity. Yeah, it's got like cigarettes and alcohol. Right, right. Drug abuse, yeah. homelessness. That's something that offends mental, you. <laughs> yeah, mental uh, instability. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a very complex story. And the two characters, which are black and white, they, they are a balance. And that was one thing is like, I think culturally, this movie brings out so much of the Chinese... I think it's a, ch- it's a Chinese film? It's, ja- it's Japanese. Japanese. Well, the yin and the yang, for sure. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, in that sense, you know, like the neutrality, the balance um, really comes out in this film. And it's very culturally, wow, eye-opening. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes. Yeah, black and white are essentially two halves of the same whole. They sort of complement and keep and keep each other centered they are like yin and yang peace and violence joy and anger yeah i thought that was interesting uh because when when one sort of tilted you know more towards the dark side it would influence the other character Hmm. and vice versa and also what you mentioned about the you know the chinese like you thought it was chinese the city was incredibly well realized and yeah like really lived in it had like japanese influences indian influences singapore yeah amazing it was i mean it was like a culture shock in some ways like it was just so magical and so beautiful it already it seemed like a theme park versus like what they were trying to build like like if i visited that city i i probably would have been blown away definitely on the special features on the disc there was this there was this 300 days of the director, you know, gathering influences, like, like he would walk around town, like talking t- to people and, and like taking pictures and like acquiring sounds. And it, hmm. it, and it was like a really authentic experience. And I think that showed a lot. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. By the way, it's an American director who has lived in Japan for 12 years and speaks and speaks fluent japanese makes sense you know that's good interesting yeah yeah because it it seems somewhat americanized especially with the voice the voice actors that were chosen were so good and they were so specific to the characters and to the like authenticity of what the director was going for i could definitely see that that's amazing so you watched this subbed right i did yeah did you Uh, watch it dubbed i did and I'm, I think I'm glad I did because this is kind of more complicated story, and I didn't want to like read, have you know, bother with reading the text and stuff. Yes, yeah, some of, of of the of the um, English voice cast are uh, Scott Meneville, who you may know him from. Uh, he voices Robin from Teen Titans, hmm. and there's mm-hmm. of course Tom Kenny. We all know who Tom Kenny is, right? My favorite is Phil Lamar. He's he's been in so much and done so much voice acting. Like he he's been around. Yeah, he's done tons of stuff like Samurai Jack, Green Lantern, some like Futura, uh, Futurama, Jamaican yeah. Death, right? Yeah. And then there's also the Kamali Minter who voiced Shiro, which is white, 
and um she she also has this like nonprofit that she runs which is crazy because like i am in a group that is influenced by her on facebook which is um based around her philosophy like you know give what you need to give get what you need to get as far as like money it's like reparations and it's based upon the idea of like sort of like i don't want to say communistic or socialistic because a lot of people say that like and they get ooh like communism socialism blah okay well the idea is that you if you need something and i have something that you need i should be able to give it to you you know, and a lot of people are, are very open to doing that. And so that's something that she put together like years ago. I think it started back in 2016 as like a part of a social experiment. And that's something that she she's been doing. And a lot of people have been influenced by that and started their own kind of like philosophy and theory behind that. Cool. Interesting. And you read the manga too, right? I did. I read like the first third and realized, okay, so I read the first third and then I stopped and I read and then I watched the DVD commentary of the movie. All right. So I read the first third and realized that this is pretty much exactly almost exactly the same as the movie. So then I, I watched the DVD commentary and they said that really the the manga is like mostly like 90% the same as, as the movie. So so I just didn't worry about it too much. I did sort of check in on like some of the more important beats it was pretty much the the same so yeah um because hmm. i i when you mentioned that i went to go check out the manga too and it is online so for those of you that want to go see and read the comic manga it is online for download the art style is very crude yeah in the manga yeah yeah it is i don't have much uh, comments about that you remember the ping pong the animation series yeah. he also made a manga or the manga came before that that series i was aware of his his stuff from a while ago i think what what he lacks in like refined you know uh sort of more um tra tra traditional art he makes up for in his like writing and like characterization but i do have a, like a, a few questions were there like s supernatural elements in this because I have a couple of scenes here when white was floating when he fell off that building like he was floating down and then the minotaur and the aliens yeah what funny funny dialogue it, it makes you feel so out of touch with the reality when you are paying attention to white's character what is the truth that's what i think when i'm listening to white talk it's like is he is he speaking more truth than than i'm even able to to consciously realize and that's that's how i feel when i'm listening to white or like watching his actions right cuz it cuz it sounds like so dumb but when you listen to it it actually makes like stupid sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's you know it and that's the kind of the thing that the the writer plays on is like they want you to think that white is mentally challenged or has a disability of some sort or is slow because he doesn't have parents and he lives on the streets but in reality he sees so much more than most of us can understand and i think that's what the role like the grandfather plays bringing to light like you know, the seriousness of what White is saying. Like, it sounds like gibberish, but there's so much peace and truth in what he's saying. Yeah, just don't piss him off because he'll burn you alive. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I do have, have like this interesting theory. Okay. It may not be a, like a theme or something because either that they said this in the movie or I like heard a comment about it in one of the special features. The theme is that the city changing you, like y- you can either go unchanged and die or change and become something else. And I have a few examples of that. White and Black left the city after almost succumbing to darkness and death because there came a time when white lost it and black lost it towards the end uh, so they left before they they could before they could change or die suzuki who was the the old yakuza guy that would smoke a lot talking about yeah. Zodiacs. yeah he went unchanged and died by the hands of his protege kimura and kimura did he chose to leave too late and was killed. So there's like a theme of, of like the city having an influence on you. It's basically like evolution, like adapt or die. Did you ever in the commentary or in your research find out what the eyes meant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was incredibly vague. They basically said the eyes mean you are being watched or, or oh. well, it was actually less vague than that. The eyes mean the eyes are watching or something like it was even vague. <laughs> I I mean it's kind of like Illuminati-esque because the whole island is in the shape of an eye. It is, yeah. And then we we see those eyes everywhere. Like in the bar, there was like eyes painted on pieces of paper and like plastered up in the walls, which is a really cool scene. One of my favorites probably because of how bizarre it was. That would be a cool room to have. That would be kind of a cool room. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very clock, like clockwork orange-esque in some ways. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like when they enter the milk bar, they like all eyes are on them in the clockwork orange. And I mean, it's just a, a weird vibe you get when you see that room. The whole idea of eyes was just referenced throughout the entire film. And the explanation had no satisfying answer unfortunately maybe i can like maybe maybe i can just shed some light because like when you're in a city yeah definitely especially now with all the cameras yeah like sometimes you feel like there's no privacy Mm -hmm. you know like you look right out your window and then somebody's also looking back at you looking out their window i'm sure it can be very like invasive in some some manner in some way the there's some in, interesting lore about treasure town and that it's an island you know it's an island the bridges were knocked out so it was harder for people to trans to transport materials to the island so that they could work on it and maintain it so it eventually you know desolate and run down and people forgot about it that's sort of what came of it and it was overcome by the stray cats who are the orphans and, and yakuza that's that's interesting okay i mean that makes sense now too because that's not really explained in the film it's not very well or outright it's a very indirect movie like you sort of have to read in between the lines a lot of the time which is a good storytelling when something makes you ask questions i think that's good storytelling show don't tell but you know that actually re- reminds me if i had a, a complaint is that they probably did too much telling like they they told some things when they probably would have been best to show it i think that especially for animation if you can watch a movie without the the sound and still understand what's going on then you made like a good story i feel that they kind of lean too much on dialogue a little bit 
I, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I suppose it depends on what kind of um, perspective you take on that. Because I, I know I've heard that too. A lot of like big animation studios will say that like if you enter a reel that if you are trying to get hired at a company, you want to have a story that if you turn the sound off, you can understand. And I, yeah, I don't. I just don't think that was the purpose of this film. It was just to tell a story in its own sense. Kind of like a passion project like we've talked about. A lot of the passion projects in the past. Oh yeah, this was certainly a passion project. I, I feel satisfied with this film. It was an excellent film. Yeah, I recommend it. it. It's definitely something worth experiencing at least once. Oh, also, tell about your experience trying to find this film. Oh yeah, it's very challenging. It's unfortunate that this movie was so hard to find. I think more people should watch it because you really don't hear people like talking about it that much. Yeah, I had to go on Amazon and buy the DVD. Luckily, it wasn't that much and it came in great shape. Yeah, but it came from a pawn shop, you said? A thrift store, yeah. They probably just didn't sell that many copies and so it's hard to find. Yeah, but okay, so this uh, was produced by Studio 4C. So you would think that they would have their movies on their website or something. You would think it would be on Hulu or something, but it's like nowhere. You have to yeah. like, get it like black market style. And even that's like hard, hard to, to do. Closing statement for this movie. Go watch it. Dive into the facts. And please share us with your friends and family as we would love to continue this podcast about your favorite animations. All of the information here is researched by Sarah and Garrison, and this podcast is produced and edited by Sarah Zadri. Special thanks to Joshua Phillips for the theme music. All while doing our research, we come across some amazing little videos and shots about the process of animation, and we will be happy to share this information with you on our site, www.podsaga.com. And if you have any questions about the animations we will be covering, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you and have a good day.